Well, I hope you all have endured and perhaps even enjoyed, if that's possible, the last few days of winter weather. Uh, Every time it uh, comes this time of the year, I often think of the uh, story that I read once about this uh, cold winter that they were anticipating uh, out on the Indian Reservation out west. And there was a young brave that had been asked to take charge of the firewood for that year. And so he went out and he started uh, evaluating things and was wondering what kind of winter they were going to have. So he called up the weatherman and he said, the weatherman asked the weatherman, what kind of winter are we going to have? And the the weatherman said, well, it's going to... uh, probably be a mild winter but you know we never can tell and so the young brave said well he said i'm gonna go chop some wood just in case and so he called a few of his buddies and they went out and chopped some firewood and then as as winter approached he called the weatherman back up and he said just wanted to get a recent uh, up uh, forecast on what the winter is going to be like and the weatherman said well he says i think we're going to have a a fairly hard winter Uh, from all that I can tell, and, and so he thanked him, and he called a bunch of his friends and said, we probably need to get some more firewood going here. So they started chopping uh, lots of firewood and fixing it up, and and uh, so, you know, winter was re- really approaching, and so he called the weatherman up the third time, and he said, what's the wood, uh, winter going to be like? He said, it's going to be a horrible freeze. He said, really? He said, yeah. He said, you better get ready. So he went and got all of his friends and and all of his family, and they chopped wood and chopped wood and and got lots of firewood ready for the winter. And so he uh, called the weatherman up fourth time, and he said, well, he said, "Uh, what kind of winter are we going to have? He said, it's going to be the worst winter we've had in years. He said, really? He said, how do you know that by chance? He said, well, all the Indians are chopping firewood like crazy. (laughs) I'll explain that to you if you didn't slip through that. Today we're going to talk about fighting for the family. Fighting for the family. We're looking in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy. Beginning with verse 1, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, And the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear of the Lord thy God to keep all the statutes and the commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and uh, with all thy might. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. 
that thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Here's a question I've got for you today. Do you think that the world that you have known, the world that you have uh, grown up with, will exist forever? Probably not. Probably not. We wish that we could even uh, be retro and go back to those good old days of yesteryear. But the truth of the matter is, is that as we look ahead, we uh, see that things are still changing. We look back and we see that we, our country went through a, um, a time of agriculture. We had a uh, a, gr- a growing uh, society where people went out and they farmed and they did a survival uh, type of thing in the agricultural society. And then we moved to an industrial society. I remember studying about that in school when all the inventions were made, you know, and Eli Whitney and all the cotton gin and all that stuff, you know, remember all that, those inventors that you studied about when you were in school. And now... We have gone to a technological society, a communications age. And uh, so today we uh, find that we have really, in our lifetime, especially me at 70 some odd years old, I can't remember, we've taken a giant step, you know, not a baby step, but we've taken a big giant step from where I started years ago. I remember as a kid, and some of y'all are old enough to remember, we used to lay out in the backyard and look up and see satellites at night and go, Shazam, there's one, there's one. It's barely moving, but, but we see it. That was a big deal. That was a big deal. And so today we have to raise families in this society that we live. And raising Christian families is very challenging and I believe more difficult than ever because we have the enemies of Satan who's always been around and we've got ourselves and our old sinful nature that still ties to uh, kick us every now and then in the back seat. And, and then the world, the world that has evolved into a very independent, self-serving world and cries, cries for our attention And so Israel, we find in our text, was faced uh, with a challenge of entering into a new society, going into the promised land that God had promised them way back in the time of Abraham. They had uh, been through different ages, uh, and they had gone through years of uh, the Exodus, coming, uh, spending time in. Uh, Egypt and then coming out of Egypt. They had spent time in the wilderness wandering around because of their disobedience. And now they were fixing to cross Jordan and going into the promised land. And it would be new because it would be a hostile world. It would be a new type of lifestyle amongst the people that didn't worship the God that they had worshipped uh, from the get-go. And so now the challenge to live in the world 
of Canaan and not be of the world was standing before them. And today, Moses, in our text, prepares them for that challenge with some very simple, practical commands. You don't beat the bush. Moses didn't beat around the bush. Someone said when you beat around the bush, you just wear the bush out. And so he didn't. He just kind of went for the jugular here and told them, if you're going to have success in this new society, here's the three things you're going to have to do. And so he lists those things. And we can glean from those things because of the world that we are living in. I want to read something to you if you'll just stay awake for just a little bit. Just slap yourself or the person next to you and say, he's going to read. But when my mama read to me, which was very seldom, it meant that I was supposed to go to sleep, okay? And so I'm not reading to you to put you to sleep, but I thought this was very good. It said, a few summers ago, I spoke to at a camp, and I forgot what this guy's name that wrote this, but he was a, a, a youth expert. <clears throat> After an evening session, one of the guy counselors, his name was Rees, I guess that's how he spells it, so pronounces it, asked if we could talk. A clean-cut 19-year-old Rees was heading into his sophomore year at a well-known Christian college, and there was sadness in his eyes, and I couldn't phantom, that I could not phantom. He had a lot of nightmares, he said, and a lot of guilt. Hmm. During his senior year of high school, Rees and his girlfriend, Emily, were fairly typical Christian kids. They were both active in youth group. They had pledged to abstain from sex until marriage and were known in their circles as friends, as good kids. But on the night of the senior prom, <laughs> everything went crazy. At a pre-prom party, Rees admitted one thing led to another. And we pretty much did it all that night, fooling around, drinking, drugs, you name it. And tragically, Emily overdosed from the drugs, went into a coma, and never came out of it. A week later, Emily died. This is an extreme story, yes, but it happened. And as I met parents and students around the world, I hear stories like this you wouldn't believe. Welcome to the world of today's kids. It's a fight, and it's my kids and yours are in it every day. This fight is about a tsunami of information, communication, anything goes, ethics, and the inevitable moral experimentations that results. It's a world of devices, social media, unlimited access to online porn, and more and more. The world of Generation X moves at a pace you and I would never have dreamed of when we were younger. <laughs> I believe that. Here's the fact that keeps me awake at night, he said. Reason Emily could have been anyone's children. They are from a generation bombarded by lies, hungry for help, and desperate for truth. Every child won't face exactly what Rees and Emily face, but war is the daily reality for our kids. That is why, as a parent, your family is counting on you to stand firm on the front lines each day and fight. 
Maybe you're thinking my son or daughter appears to be doing well. Yes, there are many Jesus-loving, Bible-believing, church-attending students who desire to live a God-honoring life daily and surrender to Christ. Your child may be one of them. Or maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum. The choices your child has made so far have left your family at a breaking point. You're feeling hopeless, ready to throw in the towel. Whatever the state of your kids, know this. The devil hates your kids. More specifically, he's your child's number one enemy. His task is to steal, kill, and destroy. And he wants to lure your kid away from the truth and lead them towards destruction. So as a parent... Your call is to grab your weapons, jump into the battlefield on your child's side, and be ready to give it all you've got. The idea of fighting for your family might be ready to scare you off. Hey, you're just trying to pay the electric bill, pick up the kids from soccer practice on time, and serve something for dinner that doesn't look like, doesn't come from a drive-thru. I said, I get it. There are countless ways to arm up for battle. And here's where it all begins. The Bible says, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight. That's the battle you are in. You're called to faithfully fight for what's right. Just as Satan is fighting to steal, kill, and destroy your family, you must realize that you are a fighter. And your family needs your help in order to win. Whatever the age of your children, 2 Timothy 6, 11, and 12 can be a perfect place for you to land firmly determined to go the distance for your family. And so we find that we are living in a new society with its challenges and that we are in the fight for the family unit. And so remember this, that Moses here gives these commands, and I believe they're still valid and useful today where we, where we live, where we traffic, and where we navigate through this wicked world. First command that he give us, gives is love God first, foremost, and forever. Notice in verse 5, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Wow, that's love. That's saying a lot, isn't it? To love God with everything we never have. And I will say this. Mark this down. You can put it on the refrigerator door. Never expect children to love God if we do not model that in our life. To love God with all that we have. Never expect them to do that. Make them appreciate the fact that he is a creator, redeemer, our sustainer, and our equipper, and that he loves, loved us first. We love him, John said in John 4, 19, because he first loved us. We cannot out-love God. We cannot first love God. He 
first loved us and demonstrated his love in the giving of his son upon the cross of Calvary. He honored the sacrifice that Jesus made upon that cross and raised him from the dead and gave him a name above every name that the, every tongue should confess, every knee should bow, that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. What a great God that loved us first enough to give the best that he had. And we need to let his love flow through us to others as we tell them the old, old story of how God so loved the world and how that God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us because God is love. He is love. Let your kids know that you know and that you appreciate the fact that you are loved by God. Everyone else in the world may hate you. Everybody in the world may not appreciate you. But you love and you appreciate God because he showed his love. And out of his love came grace. Out of his love came mercy that extended down to you and picked you up out of the miry clay of this wicked society that you lived in and saved your soul and put you in business for him. That's some good preaching there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Excuse me for getting so excited. But God, the God of scriptures, to show them that he is the God that the scriptures declare that creation displays and that faith discovers. Number two, teach the world fervently. Teach the word fervently and faithfully. Teach the word of God. Take the words into your heart. Remember what he said in verse 6? Take the words. He said, these words I command thee this day shall be in thine, what? Heart. We understand what heart means. We understand that when we take things to heart, when things come from our heart, that it's serious business. It's not just something, a, a phrase. It isn't just a talk but it's something that is real, something that produces convictions. And we don't need to, to carry convictions. We need convictions to carry us. Amen. And so today, take the words to heart and take these commandments and turn them into commitments. Commitments. To live for him who loved you enough to give his son to die for you. So teach the word fervently and faithfully. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Today in our Sunday school lesson in Romans, he said, Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that perfect will of God. How do we do that? By getting the word and letting the word get us. It begins by knowing what thus saith the Lord. You can't do what God tells you to do until you know what God has told you to do. The devil tries to keep us ignorant, doesn't he? And it's not wrong to be ignorant. We're all ignorant about stuff, aren't we? 
I'm ignorant about electricity. I studied it, but I still respect it. <laughs> and I still don't know how it really works, but I don't live in the dark. Amen. I still turn on the light switch. And the, uh, here's the biggie right here. Impart the scriptures to your children. Impart the scriptures to your children. Verse 7, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. So teach them the scriptures. Isaiah taught you how to do that in Isaiah 28 in verse uh, 9 and 10 when he said teach them from the time that they uh, are weaned to precept upon precept, little line upon line, little by little. When we're, they're little, we, we tell them the Bible stories. And as they get older, we tell them what they mean. And then later on, we tell them how to apply them to their daily lives. But you got to start young. you got to start early. Don't do like the lady I had in church, previous church. That one day she decided she was get on get on fire for the Lord, and she grabbed her two girls and started dragging them to church and said, y'all sit down here and learn. Well, at 16, it's too late. <laughs> Amen. It's too late. He used to have a deacon. And said, Someone asked him, when do you start raising your kids? He said, nine months before the barn. <laughs> Not bad philosophy. Not bad. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that he should go when he is old. He will not depart from it. He said, well, I trained up my child, and they have gone from it. Well, two things that we can hope for. Number one, when they're old, they'll come back to it. And I've told you this before. I know I sound like a broken record. You don't know where your kids are going to go. You never know where they're going to run off to, who they're going to run off with. You never know the crowd that's going to take them away from God. But give them something to come back to. Give them something to come back to. And I've seen a lot of them come back. Amen. <laughs> Maybe you're one of them. Drifted away, but then you came back. You knew there was something better in God's house with God's people and God's word than what they had out in the world. It's better. Number two, it's Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs means most of the time this is the way it works. Most of the time, they will come back, but not always. And so teach the word fervently. Remember, God's commands are not for our punishment, but for our welfare, our betterment. Number three, model your lifestyle with gratitude and explanation. Gratitude and explanation. Verse 20 through 25, we find that he deals with that. We have that up there, Hayden? Guess not. He says, when thy son asketh thee in time. Here we go. In time. To come, saying, what meaneth the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you, then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. We were slaves. 
And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders and great and sore upon Egypt and where Pharaoh and all of his, upon his household before our eyes, we saw it. And he brought us out of thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God with all our good, for our good always, that he might persevere us alive, preserve us alive. And as and it is at this day, and it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. And so here we find two things. Number one, gratitude. Gratitude for deliverance. In verses 20 through 23, we find that he goes back and he says, hey, look, God showed us signs and wonders. Remember the plagues? Uh, remember the blood on the doorpost? Uh, he showed us all that right before our very eyes, and he brought us out from thence. He brought us out of Egypt. We've never forgotten that, we, that he brought us out. Likewise, we should never, ever forget that God brought us out of sin. He brought us out of a lost condition. He brought us out of a, of a road that was leading to a Christless, barren, dark eternity. He brought us out. I'm glad today. I hope I'll never get over it, Brother Ray, that God brought me out. He brought me out of the miry clay of sin. And that I'll be eternally thankful and grateful for that and that's what we need to teach our kids i teach you this i tell you this i i raise you like this because there was a time that i was lost and undone there was a time that 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 i did not know the lord and i was miserable and i he was the, i found out that he was the missing piece of the puzzle and when i found him i found joy unspeakable and full of glory and I hadn't got over it yet. And that's what I want for you. But I don't want you to have to walk through the dust and the dirt of the world. I don't want you to make the mistakes that I made dabbling in sin because sin is expensive. It will take you where you don't want to go. It will keep you there longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you want to pay. I'm glad God delivered me out of that. And that's what I want for you. Because I love you and then an explanation for the obedience in verse 24 and 25 tell them that the Lord commanded us to do these statues to fear the Lord our God always not something we do temporarily or until we get ready to sow our wild oats and that we might be preserved alive and that's what God's done for us and that's what he told us to do. And so I'm going to try to live this myself, and I want to teach it to you. That's what God told me to do. That's my responsibility as a parent. As a parent, a parenthood comes with responsibility. Someone said, well, you get a baby and you don't get an instruction book. I beg to differ. This is the best baby book there is. It's the best book on raising your kids. 
You may not like all of it or appreciate all of it because some of it's pretty tough stuff. And it goes against the grain of our modern society. But model your lifestyle. Model it with gratitude and then explain why you're so grateful. Explain why you're so thankful. Be willing to give your testimony to your kids. Do they know when you were saved? Have they ever heard the story when you were converted? Write it in your Bible. When you die, they can read it. <laughs> Let everybody know that you're not ashamed of the Jesus that saved you. And so in conclusion, I would say building an authentic faith into our families is challenging. <laughs> I don't doubt that. The devil, the world, or the flesh will fight you every step of the way. But I hope that your kids won't end up in the world like Emily did. My next door neighbor was in a band. He was a drummer. He was a good drummer. He played a lot of lot of lot of stuff. He ended up in California. And uh, not, not anything against California, that's just where he was. I had another friend that was in the Navy out in San Diego. That's how I found out about what happened to him. I knew that my neighbor had died. And what I did not know is he died of drug overdose of heroin. He took, he took heroin and he told his buddies, he said, next time I take this, it's going to kill me. And sure enough, he shot up. And he fell, and he hit his head on the bathroom sink. And he laid there bleeding to death while his buddies left him. And he died there all alone. What a sad commentary. What a sad commentary. And so today, it's a matter of survival. It's a matter of survival for the family. Survival not only for our family, but also for her members, each and every member, and also for our country. If the family goes, if the family unit goes, our country will go also. Do all that you can to make it survive. And so today, the challenge, no doubt, is great. Psalm 112, 2 says this, the generation of the upright shall be blessed. Yeah, we're going into strange territory. May God help us to live for him who died for us. To survive themselves. It's a matter of survival. To lead their families in the Christian way and inspire others to do the same. Would you stand? Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that's rich and real today. We realize, Lord, that this is not all-inclusive. There's much more I could say today. But help us, Lord, as parents, that we will be, be willing to fight the fight, save our families, each one, for the sake of our society, for the sake of our country for the sake of being the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Lord, we can't do this by ourselves. We need your we need your help. I pray for each mom and each dad that's here today. I 
I assume that they've taken that responsibility seriously. But if not, that you would implore them today. May we fight for our kids because the devil wants them. May we do whatever it takes. Help them to see the love that we have for you, that they might want it also. That we might teach them the word, that they might know the path that they need to travel. And pray, Father, that we would model it. Because sometimes we slip and sometimes we fall. Forgive us, Lord. Help us that we might walk uprightly in this generation. And we'll praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ. You can be saved today during our invitation. Maybe you just want to come and kneel and pray for your family. You can do that. Pray for your kids. Maybe you've got a prodigal out there. You want to pray for him. You can do that today. I'd be glad to pray with you. Or maybe you're here today and you need to follow the Lord in baptism or church membership, whatever the Lord will lead you to do. This is your invitation.